Welcome to the original and the best Power Hour with Alex Burr and Dylan Hughes, members and podcast of the Running Book Podcast Network. Welcome to another edition of Alex and Dylan Basketball Power Hour. You are going to be hearing a lot from the two of us the next two weeks. We are going to have four podcasts come out the next two weeks, Dylan Hughes. Um, are you excited for all these awards pods we have coming up? Yes. This, this is like the culmination of all the pods. Like, we've been watching basketball to prepare for this. Um, so this is, uh, this is where we get to really shine, I think. So we are going to be doing, we're doing all rookie today. We're going to be doing all defense and all NBA next week. And then we're wrapping up our analysis of, we're wrapping up our big picture analysis tomorrow with the Grizzlies, the Raptors and the Heat. And we're probably going to be going Raptors, Heat, Grizzlies, if I have to know the two of us. But Dylan Hughes, in the tradition of throwing curveballs, when you expect a fastball, we did talk about baseball before the pod, so this actually kind of feels apt today. Um... Two years ago today was the Kawhi Leonard shot. My question for you is, what is the moment that you had your heart ripped out, like 76ers fans had their heart ripped out by the Kawhi Leonard shot? Oh, this is easy, man. Uh, I think it was the first Eastern Conference Finals, and Paul George just hit an awesome three. Um, Man, was it game seven? It was late in the series. Paul George hits a late three, and that was like the coming out party. That was like this kid's here. Even even LeBron like kind of tapped him on the back, like yeah, like I recognize you. And then fucking LeBron, Frank Vogel takes Roy Hibbert out. LeBron goes straight to the hole with an easy layup to take the lead. And I was like, yeah, th- this is what being a Pacers fan is like. I'm, I'm looking up the exact date of that. Um... Of that, it's game one. That was game one of that series. Oh, so you, okay. were, you were off to a rollicking start in that series, Dylan Hughes. Um, <laughs> yeah. for me, that one's that one set the tone right there. <laughs> for me, it wasn't a game so much as the 2011 Eastern Conference Finals. And Derek Rose, who was by far my favorite player that year, got absolutely eaten alive by LeBron. Like, this was prime LeBron, right? Like, I I would say 2011 was probably the peak of LeBron's powers, like, as an athlete. Like, maybe 2012, 2013. But when he was in Miami, was peak physical LeBron. And Derrick Rose, we won game one, and then they swept us the rest of the way. And I was heartbroken because I thought we were going to the finals. I felt vindication after the Mavs beat them. But I was not not very happy that year, Dylan Hughes. Yeah, man. LeBron just, he's ruined all of our lives. I think that's safe to say. Raptors fans, Hawks fans, Bulls fans, um, Cavs fans twice. Um, I all, all the Eastern Conference teams basically have had LeBron problems for the last 20 years. And I'm, Dylan, you, let's just be real here. You were glad when he left the conference. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as a hated, uh, a noted Lakers hater, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'd rather the Lakers win every year than have this dude just dominate the conference. <laughs> I mean, of course. Like, and, and we thought it was going to be harder for him, but alas, 
he had a pretty easy road to the finals last year. I mean, they made it easy, but still. Um, I'd say we, we should touch on the Oladipo thing. I know we're doing the heat tomorrow, but let's just go ahead and touch on it now. He's going to have surgery on his, uh, I believe, on his knee, and he's going to miss the rest of the season. I mean, Dylan, like, what the fuck happened to Victor Oladipo? I just, I don't know if he completely recovered from that injury um, last year. It's like, I don't know. He's just been odd this year. He's been, I mean, he's had good games, but it's, you could see the explosiveness wasn't there. And it's, it's going to be really interesting moving forward because he got an extension offer from the Pacers and said no. And all of a sudden, as we were talking about pre-pod, I don't see how the Heat give him anything more than a one-year deal because we don't know what the hell he is. And I don't think that one-year deal is going to be that that much either. Like it could be could be like a 20 mil type of thing, but you know, he's not he's not cashing out on this deal. So I mean, I you know, I wish the best for him and I, it kind of sucks that he wasn't able to help this Heat team because I, I really like this Heat team late late in the season and it would have been nice to see him there, but, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see where he goes from here. So he played 75 games his All-NBA year in 2018. Would you like to guess how many games he's played total since then? Oh, wow. Mm, maybe like 40? Okay, not that few. He has played 88 games in the last three seasons. Oh, it's been three. Yeah, I was thinking the past two. <laughs> okay, that okay. makes more sense. But <laughs> he played 55 games uh, between the two previous seasons before this one. And he played 33 games this year. And, I mean, I, I, I'm i not going to say he's done, right? Like, there's still something there. He's got skill. But his game was so predicated on just being faster than you and being more explosive than you. And he really hasn't adapted. And you brought up him coming back too early. I mean, it's contract year. I mean, you don't think his agent maybe had something to do with that? Like, hey, you need to come back. You need to come and prove you have what it takes. And, you know, some guys, maybe just the rest will never wear off. I hope that it does because I don't want to hate on Vic. I think he's one of the most fun players in the league. But I, I, I really just need to see it before I believe it. And I don't even know if he's going to get 20 million next year. He might get 15 if he's lucky. I think that they have a really interesting situation coming up, but um, I, Dylan, I think we're, are you, are we good to move on to the uh, all rookie team? You know, I, I have a breaking um, news from the NFL real quick with, with the Aaron Rodgers controversy, the Packers have made a statement. They've signed Blake Bortles. I mean, if that's not, if that's not a sign of things to come, I don't know what is. I mean, I'm pretty sure that Super Bowl champion Blake Bortles right there. So, you know, or was he on the Rams last year? I don't remember. I don't know what the hell happened. Oh, but he... hey, the, the 2018 um, Jaguars, man, like who, who's the worst quarterback that could have won them the Super Bowl? Because Blake oh, Bortles was almost it. Do you think Eli Manning could have won them a Super Bowl that year? Mm, maybe. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> close. <laughs> I mean, we're going real bottom of the barrel here. Um, God. Drew Locke? I mean, Drew Locke was, I'm pretty sure, in college at that point. Well, so. still. He was probably better than Blake Portals. I mean, to be fair, you could probably get... Okay, here's here's a question. 
That year, I believe, was Mitch Trubisky's rookie year. Ooh. Mitch Trubisky or Blake Bortles? You know, I, I still believe in Mitch Trubisky. This may be a hot take, but the guy can throw the football, man. Like, he makes a ton of mistakes. I'm not going to doubt that. But he has some good games. I I don't know. I, I could see uh, in a better situation, I could see him being decent. So we got 12 games, 2,000 yards, seven touchdowns, seven interceptions for uh, old Mitch on 59% completion percentage. Ooh, I mean, that, that was his rookie year. So yeah. and plus, you know, here's one. Mike Glennon. Do you think they would have won uh, Mike Glennon over Blake Glennon? Bortles? <laughs> Could Glennon do it for him? Man. Uh, I'm going to say no on that one. <laughs> what about Dan Orlovsky? I think he was done in 2015. I would say no. I would how say about, no. Uh, how about 50 year old Kerry Collins? <laughs> a Colts, a Colts legend. Let's go to a different sport. Could Jamie Moyer have won the Super Bowl? <laughs> hey, what about baseball pitchers? Should we throw some baseball pitchers in there? You think Clayton Kershaw would have won the uh, Super Bowl? No, uh, no. He 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 chokes when it matters. Madison Bumgarner, he could do it though. He he's tall and he's got a he's got a cannon, so maybe. Exactly. Oh, you wait, wait. Need, you just need one deep throw. I think sometimes. we're I think we're doing this run though. It had to be center fielders because they got Ooh. arms. Tatis Jr. Could he do it? Here's one. Could like 45 year old Ichiro have done it? Oh man, he's small. He'd be like a Russell Wilson kind of quarterback, but he'd have the same kind of mobility. He's got the mentality. That's what you really need. He's got a cannon. He's got a cannon. He threw a he threw a baseball that was like ten feet off the ground from to third base from right field, like a dart, like what, like two hundred feet. That's pretty impressive for a baseball. I think you know you if you taught Ichiro. I, I mean, these guys are all elite athletes. I'm pretty sure if you taught them all how to throw a football, they would become elite at it. But if you taught Ichiro how to throw a football, I think he would become a problem. Yeah, man. I I think baseball players are underrated because, like, we don't really look at them as athletes because a lot of their job is standing around. But some of those guys, man, they uh, I think they can make a transition. Here's last one, last one. Vladimir Guerrero. He'd be a, he'd be a pocket oh quarterback. Odd. That but, thing would truck people. <laughs> I don't think Vlad was that tall. Or I'm on pro football reference. Let me look up Vladimir Guerrero. I don't think he was that tall, but he was a tank. Yeah. And he had a cannon. For, you know, he was 6'3", 235. Okay, that's yeah. pocket that's like, quarterback uh, for sure. But He would be plowing over, dudes. <laughs> pocket quarterback for sure. I don't know how well he could have moved. I guess he was an outfielder. But I could see him as like a Ben Roethlisberger where he's like, he's not really a good runner. It's just impossible to tackle him. I think the dimensions are just about the same. So this was a wild tangent, Dylan. But I, I, you know, this is you're welcome. The, no, just to give our listeners so a little bit of context, this is what our pre-shows are like. We just go all over the fucking place. It's wonderful. It's wonderful conversations. It's really the highlight of my week. Um, just to go all over the fucking place with Dylan Hughes. So let's move on to the matter at hand, though, shall we? The all rookie teams and. Basically, the format for this is pretty straightforward. You just list your 10 best rookies. It's basically one through 10. One through five is your first team. Six through 10 is your second team. I mean, Dylan, I, I, it's safe to say this is probably the most straightforward like award you could vote on in award season. 
Yeah, it's pretty simple. And like the rookies are a little bit interesting. I was having some trouble kind of ranking them because there's a ton of different situations, right? Like you got, you got rookies on good teams doing less work. You've got rookies on bad teams doing more work. And like, you kind of got to balance what you value the most. Um, So it's a little bit different than something like MVP where the situations are fairly similar. But of course, as we discussed last week with MVP, there's, there's going to be some contenders this year that aren't on the best team. So that's a little bit different, but you know, it's um, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh I would say it's pretty straightforward, but there's a little bit of variance in it for sure. Wait, Dylan Hughes, are you telling me I should take Lou Dort off my MVP ballot? Is that what you're telling me? You know, that's an interesting um, case because like the Thunder have been so awful. If you take Lou Dort off, how much worse could they get? I mean, I don't know. The Thunder have been catastrophically bad and they, if Poku had played more. Oh, here we go. (laughs) <laughs> they, he might he might have been on the rookie team. I'll say might. I'm not going to yeah. say would have been. So, okay, I don't know what you're doing, Dylan, but just for, like, my own clarity, I'm making, for all these awards, a 48-game minimum. Like, you have to have played 48 games to be on any of my ballots. And I would have stretched the rules for uh, LaMelo if he had stayed hurt, I'll say. But that's because he's the exception, not the rule. So, basically, all, like, all my all-NBA teams, all my all – defense teams, rookie teams, you had to have played 48 games to make my list. Because I think it's two-thirds of the season, Dylan. It's a representative sample size of, like, it's basically the equivalent of playing 55 games in a normal year, and that seems like a reasonable cutoff to me. What do you, I don't know if you did the same thing, but do you, do, you, do you agree that's a reasonable cutoff for me? Yeah, and I I would personally go a little bit higher, and I that's kind of how I did it. Um, but 48 mm. would be, like, the baseline, yeah. Cause like there are some like all NBA guys like Joel Embiid, I think just passed 48 games. Like he'll be at like 50 or something like that. Right. Like yeah. this year is just a weird year. So I would probably like in a normal year, I'd like my guys to play like 60 games this year. That's not really tenable. <laughs> right. With all the yeah. injuries and tomfoolery, the, the shrunk schedule. Yeah. It, it's a little bit different for sure. So I'm, I'm being a little more lenient than I would be, but I, I, you know, I don't mind you having, you know, even a tighter thing than I do because it's completely reasonable to want your guys to on your ballot to be represented. Um, any other strict criteria you had before we get onto our all rookie teams? I mean, there was nothing strict, but I definitely punish you if you're not playing that much, you know, like if the, the more you play, the better that that's just how I usually look at it. I mean, that's a pretty tried and true thing, I would say. Like, it's completely, again, completely reasonable just to want you guys that you have to um, play a lot. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, Dylan. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it's a little, it's a little out of whack. I don't think you should, you should punish these guys for doing, for not playing. You know, it's ridiculous. I mean, like, if you want to play one game and have 50 points and just stop playing. You know, I'm not not a fan of that. Not going to put you on the list. That would be an incredible approach, though. Just the, the ultimate going out on top move. I mean, I'm sure, uh, as we just discussed, maybe Jalen Johnson would pull that move, but who knows? <laughs> okay. So, basically, I had kind of did the same thing. Um, all my guys are in the top 15 for rookies and minutes. Like, I think that it's pretty reasonable to expect, you know, the guys to play. A whole lot, right? And I think the only guy actually that wasn't, I only had two guys outside of the top 10 
in minutes on my teams. So I think that it's a reasonable expectation. Let's go ahead and get into our teams. I mean, the top three is pretty simple. What's the order you had it in? Because the order you had it in is the the guy is first is obviously the rookie of the year. So what's the order you had the top three in for the rookies? I went with Edwards, Halbert, and Ball. Um, so obviously LaMelo probably would have been number one if he played more. Um, and Halliburton got hurt at a good time. Like it was close enough to the end of the year, but man, that dude was closing minute. Like he was playing closing lineups, like in winning games. I just, I'm just going to give him the nod over LaMelo. And again, if LaMelo played more, it would have been different, but you know, that, and as, as we've discussed a ton already, I just think Edwards is going to by far be the best guy in this class. I mean, I just think he's going to be a superstar. Well, I shouldn't say by far because I do think Lamelo has a high ceiling too. But I, I just believe in in his game so much and his personality. And and we've we talked about it pre pod like these wolves healthy are really good, and are not really good, but they're good. And Edwards has played a huge role in that. I mean, he, I'm t- I don't know if I dropped his take on the pod yet, but when he what did he have like forty something a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. I'm watching highlights of that game. I'm like, man, like I'm seeing a little bit of James Hart. Just yeah, a little you, bit. I think you said that on the pod, yeah. Like w- with the step back shooting and his passing probably will never be as good. But some of the ways he creates his shots, like he's just so – he knows exactly what he wants to do with his body. And like he's positioned himself perfectly to get these shots. And that's something that Harden didn't even really figure out until he got to Houston. And the fact that Edwards has already nailed that down now – I just think the kid could be like a top 10 player in the league very easily. Yeah, I, I definitely am. Trust me, you know, I'm high on Edwards too. I let me just go ahead and give my three. So I had LaMelo one Edwards two, Halliburton three. And I know LaMelo didn't play all the games, right? He'll be at 51 at the end of the season. Cause he's at 48 right now. And obviously Halliburton stuck at 58 and Edwards will have played all 72. This is my thing. Okay. LaMelo played this way all year. And I'm not punishing Edwards for it. I like, cause obviously, you know, you want the guys to play well, but you could make an argument that LaMelo played better for more of the season than Edwards did, even though Edwards played more like you could like in the 41 games that he played, LaMelo was significantly better than Edwards. And a lot of Edwards damage came while LaMelo was out. That's not Edwards fault. Right. But that's just the way it is. Like, I think Edwards has been hot in his like last 40 games, which is great, you know, but LaMelo was great in his first 41. Then he got hurt. He had a wrist injury. And I, I don't discount guys for like wrist injuries. Cause you know, like bone injuries. Cause you can come back from a bone injury. And plus LaMelo's efficiency is just like way better yeah. than Edwards, you know, and he's a better passer and you can make argument that he's a better defender. I would probably say it's about even, but I think LaMelo just has been a better overall player. But if you honestly, honestly, Dylan, I would say Edwards probably has the higher ceiling. And I did not think I would be saying that when we did the first Timberwolves week. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Cause I mean, before I really sat down and watched Edwards, I, I didn't know much about him except from what I heard. And a lot of people, a lot of these scouts, like I'm just so over listening to what other people have to say because these idiots screw it up every year. Like people focus on the wrong things. Like, Oh, the kid likes to play video games. Like find me one that doesn't, you know? And like, Oh, he liked playing football. Oh man. I'm not going to draft him number one because of that. 
it's just stupid. And, and I don't know, maybe some of it's smoke, like trying to, trying to get, you know, the Timberwolves to pass them up or something. I don't know, but it's, it's just stuff you see every year and I'm, I'm over it. But before I, like, as soon as I started watching him, I'm like, man, the first time I saw him make a, a whip pass with his left hand, I'm like, oh yeah, this kid's it right here. Cause no one talked about his passing. All I heard of was his shot creation. Um, so I just, I just think he's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah. Like I think the football thing helps him more than it hurts him. Like he yeah. learned skills. Like he knows, he knows good footwork. This is my thing, Bill. And I think I've told you this before. Like, I think kids should be playing other sports when they're younger. You learn other yeah. skills and it can help you play basketball. If you want if basketball is what you want to pursue, right? Like think about all the soccer players that have come over to the NBA and have thrived, right? Like Steve Nash famously loves soccer. Dirk Nowitzki loves soccer. Um, who else? I'm trying to think who's the guy I'm thinking. Jokic, right? He grew up playing soccer and he grew up playing handball. And obviously handball is a different sport, but like growing up playing the different sports. And I think he played water polo. So like you grow up playing these different sports, you learn different ways to move and it helps you on the basketball court. That's why I didn't understand that. And I think this is going to be my argument going forward. Like, yeah, cool. He played football. Why does it matter that he didn't play basketball all year long? Like for the first 18 years of his life. Right. Like, why does it matter? Why not have him learn different skills? Like, I don't think baseball applies to this conversation, right? Cause you're not doing much in base. You're not learning like new footwork and stuff, but like football, yeah, I mean, it's deadly, but you learn, like, if you're playing a skill position, you're learning skills to get open. You're learning how to cut, basically. And that's great for skills. Like, the same with soccer. You're learning how to cut. You're learning how to move off the ball. Soccer is basically just a long game of dribbling and then finding people off the off cuts. I just don't understand why we're not teaching kids, why we're not emphasizing for kids to play different sports more. Yeah, I'm digging up a book I have right by my side table called Range, David Epstein. This, and I haven't read all of it, I'll admit it was a little bit boring. I got bored of it. But uh, I want to go back to it because a lot of people talk about it. The book is about how kids should spend their time look like doing different things. And like the two examples he gives early on are Tiger Woods and Roger Federer. And Tiger Woods, we all know, was a guy that was just from basically the age of two was golfing. (laughs) And like, obviously, it turned out great for him. But Roger Federer was bouncing around to a bunch of different stuff. And he still got to the top of his sport, too. Um, So it's like there's a kind of a debate about specialization or or bouncing around. But I personally think as when you because when you're a kid, you are the most like you're a sponge you can learn a ton of different things i think when you're older like when you're our age it's probably a good idea to start kind of honing in on one or two things you know um because again there's only so much brain matter you have left to be able to soak things up and when you're a kid man you you can play five sports a year and retain a lot of that stuff and you know Playing two or three sports in high school, I think, is a great idea because, like you said, there's a ton of different things you're going to be able to take from that. And whatever you choose to do when you get older, whether it's sports or not, you can carry all that over and it's going to help you in some way. Like there's there's a lot of things that I look at now where I have skill sets that I had no idea would contribute to what I do now that do. Um, And 
you know, none of it's really even sports related, but sports, we all know there's so many lessons you can get from it and just, you know, moving your body in a different way and having to use your feet more or maybe hand-eye coordination a little bit. There's a bunch of things you can pick up. And yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I think playing football has helped him a lot. And I mean, look at some of our best athletes, man, Bo Jackson, Deion Sanders, mm -hmm. like these were our dual, these were guys that were played both. They played professional sports at two levels and Russell Wilson, like Russell Wilson could go to the Texas Rangers tomorrow. They would love to have him. I don't know how good he still would be, but look how good he is at football. And I guarantee, I think he was a shortstop. Mm -hmm. You can see that in the way he moves, you know, having to cover 50 feet of infield or whatever, like you get pretty good at moving side to side. So yeah, I, I hundred percent agree. And I think, and we talked about this with the wolves the other week that being able to like get through smaller holes and take contacts, all that stuff he's gotten from football. Yeah. Like, so let me just go through off the top of my head. Some of the great basketball players who know it, I know played other sports like in at a late level. Right. So Michael Jordan, Love baseball. Yeah. Right. Picked up baseball off the blue and hit 200 in the minor leagues, which is one of the most impressive things he ever did. LeBron James was a renowned wide receiver. And Allen Iverson probably would have played in the NFL if he hadn't have gone to jail. Like legitimately probably would have played in the NFL. But John Thompson, you know, got him and John Thompson was like, hey, you should play football. So he played football and or basketball and the rest is history. So. Like, Allen Iverson and I Edwards, I think, are good comps because, like, Iverson clearly loved football, but he loved basketball, too. And they, he was great at both of them. And I think that it's just a bad argument to say, hey, you know, kids should not should not brighten their, like, widen their repertoire. There we go. Repertoire. Ah, that's easy for me to say. Um, like, I mean... Dylan, you, you like just a well, general life principle, being more well-rounded is never a bad thing. Having more life skills is never a bad thing. You should always try, like in life, you should always try to be, you know, well-skilled at many things as you can. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not very good with my hands. I know how to change a tire. You know, like, I, I know how to do that. So I'm not saying, you know, I'm out here, like, you know, <laughs> building, like, laying brick or anything, but I, I think I, I know how to use my hands a little bit. So just being well-rounded is ultimately, you know, a good thing in life and it's a good thing in sports too. Oh yeah. I mean, what I've noticed, if you really look at some of the most successful people in the world, they usually take like two, two different unique skill sets and take it into one thing. And like the, the great business owners, like, look at Elon Musk, for example. Elon Musk was not specialized in one area. You know, he had a handful of different things that he was able to turn into a huge empire of what he's doing now with engineering and being able to run a business. Um, you know, Jeff Bezos, like, obviously, all these guys have been able to take two or three skill sets and pour it into one area. And if they just learned how to be great businessmen, they would probably be middling CEOs somewhere, you know, they'd be able to, to keep the bottom line in order, but they wouldn't be, you know, changing the world or anything like that. And it's the same thing with athletes, man. Like if listen, playing basketball for your whole life is going to help you become better at basketball, but you got to have a balance too. And sometimes for these guys, it's another sport or hell it's video games. Like for the younger guys, like 
everyone thinks this video game thing is a problem. I don't, I don't think so at all. I mean, there's a lot of skills I think you can gain from playing video games. And I mean, I think a lot of the criticism comes from the older people that never had video games. So they don't really understand the benefits of it. Or all they had was Pong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, that's, that stuff doesn't take any skill. You just move the, that, the joystick a little bit. It's like, okay, grandpa, go take your pill. Thank you. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I think, um, I mean, there's a ton of hand-eye coordination involved in that, which can translate to anything. I mean, for God's sakes, I, I am not good at first person shooters because my hand-eye coordination is just not that good. Um, but you know, there, there's a lot that can be taken out from it. And even if it's not video games, um, I mean, hell, like, look at someone like Rondo. Like, he is a very smart dude, right? And and him being studious off the court, I think, is part of the reason he's still around. Like, he just has a very active mind, creative. And he's probably going to end up being a coach because of it. Will he be an asshole of a coach? Possibly. Very possible. But I think he'll be successful. And, like, th- those are just the examples. Like, you really need to be successful. You got to have a little bit of a diversified skill set. And by the way, um, speaking of Rondo, he also was a quarterback in high school. There you <laughs> so, go. Just to kind of bring the point full circle. I think we, we kind of touched on everything there. Um, let's just say a few quick. I mean, we are we talk about Halliburton every Kings podcast we've done. So if you want to hear our Halliburton thoughts, go check out the first uh, Kings podcast in particular from early in the season where Dylan Hughes. I think Dylan Hughes, even when he was in college, was head over heels for Halliburton in it. <laughs> the um the heels have gone or the head has gone much more over the heels i don't know which order i should use that expression in but halliburton is the like to come in and basically replace bogdan bogdanovich's production in sacramento after the kings lost bogdanovich for nothing is probably the luckiest thing to happen to the kings in 15 years yeah man they actually they actually made a good draft pick it's shocking and and it's funny because the Knicks screwed it up and they ended up still being really good this year. But I mean, he's like the perfect secondary ball handler. Like you don't want him as your lead point guard, really. Um, he can lead the bench unit, but yeah, like he's, he runs a pick and roll. He's uh, good at getting to the rim. Good, good finishing skills, good length on defense, good shooter. Like he's, he's one of those good, not great guys. And those guys stick around. Look at Danny green, George Hill. Those, those good, not great guys, they're able to fill a role for any team. And a lot of these teams just shoot for superstars all the time. And I think that's why a lot of the same teams end up in the lottery, including the Kings. Uh, of course, the Kings have had their fair pick of superstars, and they always pick the wrong one. I'm not going to name names here, but we know who I'm talking about. So, you know, it's it, it was good for them. And Halliburton, I think, is going to be a big part of their future. Yeah, I think that there are several teams picking that picked ahead of the Kings that are kicking themselves right now, including the one that's the second seed in the West, by the way. I think that they really could have used Halliburton. Alas, um, let's go ahead and move on to the rest of the first team. Let's just go ahead and kind of do this in groups, okay? So who for your fourth and fifth guys on your first team, Dylan, who did you have for your uh, last two spots on your first team all-rookie? Okay, this is a guy I almost skipped over because he wasn't, drafted Jay Sean mm. Tate was my fourth guy and then Isaiah Stewart at five 
So let's just talk about Jay Shante, okay? Of all the insane rocket stuff this year, he has been the only guy that's basically played the whole season. And he's minus five. That is shocking for being the worst team in the West. Yeah. And like, that's a dude that's, that's just really good on both sides of the floor. Yeah. He's been ridiculously good for the, for the Rockets. Like, like that's a real diamond in the rough right there for the Rockets is just finding Jay Sean Tate, him exploding out of nowhere. Like, I can't believe (laughs) how good he's been. He like, I mean, he was, he actually, he's 25 years old. He was on the Ohio state team with D'Angelo Russell. (laughs) So I was watching the uh, Rockets, um, the Rockets Wolves game during Wolves week. I was like, I text and I saw them talking on the court. I'm like, wait a minute. They might've played together. So I texted our friend, Caleb Lynn. I'm like, were Jay Sean Tate and D'Angelo Russell on the same team? And they were, I was so blown away by that. Um, Jay Sean Tate was on, was the third spot on my second team. I think that really after the first three spots, all the rest of these spots are kind of really interchangeable. I really like what he's done this year. The defense is incredible for a first year player. So I, um, I'm not mad at you for having him on your first team. I think a lot of people will, and he he's deserved it. He's not on mine, but I don't hate you for having him on yours. And why did you, uh, what did you like about Stewart? I mean, first of all, I don't have it up right now, but I think he's like leading this class in win shares, which is hilarious considering the Pistons have the second worst record in the league. But I mean, we talked about him with the, the Detroit pod, but he's just like, almost the perfect modern day center, like without the shooting. I mean, like it, as far as like, cause there's two types of centers. There's like the really skilled ones that can handle and shoot. And then there's like the Clint Capellas. that are just awesome next to a good ball handler. And we haven't even seen him that much with Killian Hayes, but I can imagine a lot of dunks in the future of, of Stewart because of Hayes. I mean, as we discussed, that dude will throw a lob to anyone. He would throw a lob to me and I'm not getting close to the rim, but he would throw it anyway. And Isaiah Stewart luckily can get close to the rim. Um, So I just think, you know, this wasn't a great class for big men (laughs) as uh, we'll see with our second team. I think, you know, with, with Wiseman going two overall and just sucking really before getting hurt like that, it was, it was kind of a fall off in talent after that. And I mean, Stewart was, was he a lottery pick or he was in that area? He was the 16th pick. Yeah. So they are like two picks outside of the lottery. Yeah. But like, I mean, he was, I would say close to a lottery talent, whether he was picked there or not, but I just, I just like the way he plays. Like we talk about centers a lot where, you know, center defense is tough for young guys. I think he's been fine for his age and the fact that he's playing on a terrible team, but I just think he's been solid. Yeah. I had him. So he was my first guy on the second team. So really we had him basically one spot apart. I think that Stewart, I mean, that dude is just a monster, like a energy player can sometimes be used as an insult, but I don't think you're insulting Isaiah Stewart. If you call him an energy player, he's all over the fucking place and he's shooting 33% from three, only 63 attempts, but he's really picked it up since they really started getting all in on the tank, right? Like after they cut Blake Griffin in, 
they've been load managing Mason Plumley for I, for tanking purposes, obviously. But he's been I love the way that he's been playing. It's honestly like again, I had him on my first team. I took him off. You'll see who I took him off for in a second. But I think that Isaiah Stewart has been really. Like Detroit's draft class in general, because I'm not going to ask you if Sadiq Bay is on your team yet, but Detroit's draft class in general was really out of the park this year. Like they really knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And I actually, I remember, I think a lot of people liked it before even watching them play. I mean, they got three draft picks and like we were confused about their free agency, which turned out to be pretty good too. I don't know if Mason Plumley was necessary, but obviously Jeremy Grant proved us wrong. But, yeah, I mean, like, we talked about Sadiq Bey, Villanova. Like, that's all you need to say about him. And then Stewart didn't watch him much, but, like, I liked the tape. And Killian Hayes, there's a a Pistons fan I follow on Twitter. He's been talking about Killian Hayes for, like, years, it feels like. So I was really happy for him when I saw that they got him because I knew he was going to be hyped about it. And, like, everything I've seen – I think the kid's going to be really good. I mean, we we discussed recently he's got like a Rubio floor, which is pretty damn good. Rubio's been around a long time. But I think he's going to be even better than that. So I'm I'm excited about him for sure, and I'm excited about their whole class. Yeah, if Killian Hayes had played he pro- all year, he probably would have made my all-rookie team. But he, he did not, unfortunately. He only played like – he's only going to have played like 23 or 24 games, I think. So let me go ahead and give my fourth and fifth guys. And I know – I know one of these guys has to be on your on your second team, at least, if not both of them. My fourth guy was Desmond Bain. I love how he's been playing in Memphis. I think the 44% from three, he's playing meaningful minutes on a playoff contender. Like, he is, I think, the second two guard on the depth chart now. He plays a good amount a game for being, you know, a rookie and being on a team with the fact that he can stand out on a team with, that much guard talent is really like he's playing how many per game 22 a game on an actual playoff team and he's shooting 44% from three. I think that means something, you know, like the fact that he's actually helping a team win games and his defense is good. I just, I love everything about Desmond Bain. I would be shocked if he's not on your, on your rookie team. And then my other guy was my other guy was Patrick Williams, the Mm. paw. I really love the way he was played in Chicago. You know, the, the jump, the shot isn't really all the way there yet, but for a rookie, <laughs> he's playing great. Actually, no, I'm wrong. He's shooting 38% from three. Never mind. 38% from three, nine points, four and a half rebounds in 28 minutes a game. So I think that Patrick Williams, you know, he's really helped the Bulls win a lot this year. I think he's been great. Um, let's talk about Bain first. Did you have Bain on your team? Yeah, he's the first guy on my second team. I was going back and forth between him and Tate. I went with Tate just because as good as Bain has been, he's had such better teammates in situation. That's fair. And like the, the numbers are gonna are gonna reflect that, you know. But every time I watch Tate, that dude is like he can be an off ball guy, he can be an on ball guy, he can defend, like he's just making plays everywhere. And the fact that he has stuck it out through this whole rocket situation. And, you know, as a guy that had to play overseas after college for four years, I mean, I'm sure he's happy to just be here, but you know, that was a guy that's 
with all this turmoil has has stuck it out and and played well. So I got I gave him the nod for that reason. But yeah, Bane is is really good. And you know, we love our Grizzlies over here. And he's becoming a part of it because he's just a great off-ball, you know, threat. And when you have someone like Jaw, like he's gonna attract a ton of attention. And Jared having Jaron back too, I just can't believe Jaron, man. Like he just came right out of the gate and is just the same dude, you know, and, and being able to play off those two guys, he's, he's been great. And like, he's been, I won't say exactly what they needed. Cause as we've mentioned that they need a little bit more of pull up threat, but as far as a bench shooter and defense guy, he's, he's been great. Yeah. He's played, I mean, 65 games for a rookie, 22 minutes a game. And he's been consistent all year. He started off the year, I think, shooting like 55% from three or something like that. Like the first month of the season, I'm pretty sure him and Gorgie Jang were alternating with the um, NBA three-point percentage lead. He's obviously not there anymore. But I mean, 44% on four attempts a game as a rookie, that's pretty good. Just to be able to come in and just to be able to knock in points off the bench. I mean, he started 16 games too. So, I mean, it's not like he hasn't, you know, played. I would like to see, I think, you know, if they get Brooks out of there, I would like to think that he's going to be closing games for them next year just because of the defense and the the three-point shooting and the spacing he provides. But I think he's part of Memphis's very intriguing future because I'm not going to say he's untouchable, but if you don't have to trade Desmond Bain, I wouldn't personally. I think he's, you know, he's going to help any team that he's on win games. And I think that's, that's an admirable quality, especially for a rookie. So that's why he was my... Uh, <laughs> My fourth guy. Who did you have Patrick Williams on your team? Yes, I have him on my second team as well. Um, I'm I'm going. This second team is so like, as you mentioned, it's like it doesn't really matter what order there. And I'm trying to think because I didn't actually list them in order. I just have them like kind of spaced out. That's I fair. would probably I would probably have him as the third the third guy on my second team. Um, I mean, yeah, same reasons you like. Again, this is another guy that stuck it out the whole year. The Bulls have a little bit of a roller coaster um, with their top two guys being out for, you know, some time. But, yeah, I mean, just just awesome on both ends of the floor. Um, I think he's like – he's just a modern four, you know. Like, he's a guy that can shoot a little bit. He's good inside, good defender. Like, he's, he's going to be really solid. And I think as his offense even develops a little bit more, I think he's just going to turn out to be a, a overall stud on both sides of the floor. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, they really – I think that they're – they definitely don't regret taking Halliburton, right? Like, they could definitely use a point guard, but you always take the wing of – like, the, the wing with high potential over the point guard with the, with a high floor, right? Like, it's just – it's an obvious choice. And I think that right now Halliburton's a better player, but in two years, I could easily see Patrick Williams being a better player. He's a – like, a lot of potential. Um, I think that – Really, really just very skilled already, like very good mover off the ball. (laughs) And I think that he's going to be, I think Patrick Williams is going to be a difference maker in Chicago for years to come. Yeah. Like I, I kind of see him as like a, a Harrison Barnes, Rudy Gay type of guy with maybe a little bit more upside, but as a floor, that's great. Like a pull up shooter that can hit open shots and defend. I mean, he's probably never going to be like, the second best player on a good, really good team, but he's going to be a great compliment to like one or two stars for sure. I, I agreed. Like they honestly, 
I mean, with a point guard, they might be in the play-in right now. Like, I think, think that... Think about him. If he was on this Miami team right now, and we, we keep trying to shove fours into that team, but, you know, he's probably not exactly what they need, but I think he would he would look really good there. <laughs> he would approximate most of what they need. I mean, he wouldn't fill the Jake, Crow, Jake Crowder hole. Uh, I just can try to combine those two words. He wouldn't <laughs> fill that hole perfectly, but he'd do a damn good job, you know, making sure that, like, it would be a pretty good fit, pretty seamless fit, I would say, trying to fill the Jake Crowder hole. Um, I, like, I think the Bulls, honestly, like, Kardashev has hit a home run here. Like, we were talking, we, we were doing the Bulls pod last week, and we were talking about, you know, how badly they, you know, messed up their previous drafts with the 2021. I don't think anyone's going to say that they messed up picking Patrick Williams at four. I think they made the exact perfect pick. Um, I think we're good to move on to our second team. And we've already talked each about two of our second team guys. So we only have three guys left. Um, Dylan, who's the next guy you have on your second team that we have not talked about yet? Sadiq Bay. That's, I had him as well. So it's perfect. We could knock out, literally knocking out two birds with one stone. <laughs> Yeah. What have you liked for Sadiq Bay? I, I think he was like a notch below like the Tate Bain range for me. Just because he wasn't great to start the year. I was kind of worried about him. He was just missing open shots. I was like, man, this is like what you're supposed to do. <laughs> but he's really turned it on and and he's had some insane games. Like there was a game, I think he had like seven threes in a quarter, or maybe it was a half, but like he has that kind of skill set where you leave him open, it's over. And just looking at that Detroit team as a whole, he is just a great fit with, with Hayes and like Grant, who knows how long Grant's going to be there. But like he, just like Desmond Bain, I think he's going to be a great compliment to like good shooting and passing. And I mean, we've already seen it this year. And again, he's just, he's the, an NBA ready type of guy that's just going to fill his role perfectly. And, and that's what we've seen from him this year. And this is the lowest. Um, uh, I think this is the lowest on the list an NBA player of the week will ever be. He won NBA player of the week that week, Dylan Hughes, because the Pistons yeah. went three and out. I mean, like he seriously seven threes in a quarter. Like that is just, there, I feel like there was someone else that did it too. Like it's not with the NBA shooting going so crazy. It's not like insane, but it's pretty damn crazy to be able to hit even if it's just a quarter. I mean, seven threes in a game is a lot. But being able to knock down threes at that rate is is very, uh, very few people can do it. I think, okay, so I think what you're talking about, I think he did, I think that was in a quarter, or not in a quarter, I think that was for the whole game. I think he went seven for seven for the game, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, he he had a burst in one quarter. It, it may not have been seven, but it was like three or four back-to-back-to-back type of deal. And he was getting twos, like he was just dominating. And as a rookie to do that, you know, not even like a first overall pick, that's pretty impressive. So, okay. So I, I pulled up the quarter in question. So he had 14 points in the second quarter, played all 12 minutes, four of five from the field, three of three from the three point line, and three of three from the foul line. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't think he can be like. He's not going to be some guy who's going to come in and score 20 points a game, right? But he can get you 14 and make four, three, like a couple threes a game and shoot 39% in the process. Like, I would say like forward Danny Green, right? Except more, a lot more consistent. 
I don't want to say Mikael Bridges. That's like what Marcus Morris is doing now. Mm-hmm. Marcus Morris is making 17 a year. Some, he's making a lot. Maybe it's even more than that. He's making a lot of money to do that. And he's going to be around for a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, he's going to be around for a long time. Like, Sneak Bay, I think they got to steal because when they're ready to win, he's going to contribute. And he's contributing now even when they're not ready to win. So I think that's a win-win for them. So... We already talked about um, Isaiah Stewart. We already talked about Jay Sean Tate. We already talked about Desmond Bain and Patrick Williams. Who's the next guy you have on your list? We're already almost done with the all-rookie team. This is going by a lot faster than it did when we did last year's all-rookie pod. (laughs) So this is a guy I'm wondering if you even have on the list. Uh, Peyton Pritchard. I have him as well. (laughs) Okay. I mean, listen, man. I, I drop this comp all the time. He's... TJ McConnell, they can shoot. I don't think people understand how good of a player that is. Like, as a backup point guard, as much as we've shit on the Celtics this year and as much as they've had issues, Peyton Pritchard's been there, and he's he's kept them afloat at a lot of points. And they've had a lot of point guard issues. Marcus Smart was hurt. Kemba Walker has been up and down all year, and he's been hurt. Peyton Pritchard's been there, man, and he's he's been good. And, like, this was a guy a lot of people doubted, including me, because he was, like, a small dude from the Northwest. You know, there's a lot of those guys every year that just don't work out. But Peyton Pritchard, he's, like, that typical Celtics guy that that kind of just, you know, has a lot of – has a chip on his shoulder and, and wants to come out and prove himself. And I've just really enjoyed watching him this year. Yeah, I – like, he's been – there was okay. I think when we did the first Celtics pod, I think I said he was the fourth best player on the team, and he obviously didn't stay that way because they they improved a lot as over the course of the season. But he has been incredibly consistent for a rookie from outside. Like he's at forty one percent from three, <laughs> as like and it's perfect because he doesn't need to play a whole lot to have a big impact. But he just does everything on the floor. He plays defense really well. He. You know, he shoots really well. He can handle, he can run a pick and roll, right? I don't think I want him running a lot of pick and rolls, but he can run it, right? I think that he is the perfect role player. And honestly, I know we gave them a lot of flack for the 2019 draft, Dylan, last week. But and we, we talked about last week how much we loved Aaron Neesmith, too. And honestly, if Aaron Neesmith had played the whole year, he probably would have been on my list. Like, he probably would have been on the, on the all-rookie team because he was that good when I, like, you know, from what I saw. But... Neesmith, I think just a really home run pick by Danny Ainge. And I, I don't use those words lightly because he did trade away my the, my fourth team, my fourth guy on the first team. Ugh. <laughs> he did trade that guy away. So, you know, I, I do have some room to judge old Danny here, but I think that oh, all in all, 2020 draft for Danny Ainge, I think is going to go down in history as a good one. Yeah, I think he, I don't want to say he got lucky, but... <laughs> He uh, he he pulled off a draft that he needed, and I still don't think it was as good as it could have been. But um, I mean, getting Pritchard at that point was was huge, and you know those late first, early second type of guys are sometimes that can swing like a championship run. I mean, look at what Pascal Siakam did for Toronto. You know, like that. That's what, and you don't get those guys every year. But I mean, it seems like there's always one that comes between twenty five and forty that ends up sticking around and making a huge impact. We talked about Draymond last week, you know, the, and again, Draymond's not going to come around every, uh, every year, but those type of guys can swing stuff. And even if you can just get a, a rotation guy at that point, 
I mean, that's huge. And that's exactly what Pritchard's been. And moving forward, I don't know. I think the Celtics might have a lot of changes uh, to make. And Pritchard, uh, Pritchard's probably going to stick around, though. Oh, yeah. Pritchard, I, I still wish they just cut Semi Ojale and just played Desmond Bain. I really wish they did that. But, I mean, all we can do is we can't focus on the past, you know, to use another life you a life saying. So we got to, you know, just focus on what Danny Ainge actually did. And while it wasn't great, it's working out pretty well for them, I'd say. Like, right now, they're having a facsimile of a good seven-man rotation. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you probably know by now that Jalen Brown um, had, had surgery and he's going to miss the rest of the season. It's a big bummer, but... I mean, Dylan, I still think of the playing game, Neesmith and Pritchard, I think they can make a big impact and swing a game against Charlotte or Washington. Yeah. And, you know, having Jason Tatum is going to help with that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I agree. And I, I, I can't – I really hope we get to see Peyton Pritchard versus Russell Westbrook. That That's the matchup I'm dying for right there. Oh, God. I love I love Pritchard, but I think Westbrook actually legitimately might just run him over. <laughs> um, could we could we see the first 30 30 30 triple double? Oh god, possibly. <laughs> I I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Um I think we we're good. I think that means we only have one spot left. This might be where we we might have some divergence, but I'll I'll just go ahead and go first. My last guy is Jaden McDaniels. Oh. Did you did you not I it sounds like you did not have Jaden McDaniels. So I was I was close, but I went with quickly. Mm. I I don't think the Either of those are bad picks. Let, let me talk about Jaden McDaniels real quick. And we'll we'll talk about McDaniels real quick, then we'll talk about quickly. Because I I like quickly too. I, I was a tough snub for me, I'll say. But I think Jaden McDaniels, the way he's really altered the Timberwolves defense, and he's shooting like 38% from three. Like, I mean, he's not averaging a whole lot of points, but the impact, the overall impact that McDaniels is having, I, I just don't think it can be ignored for the Timberwolves. Like he's legitimately, I know that they haven't turned the season around because they're still trash because of the, because of what they did under Saunders, but Finch has really unlocked him and they've really become Dylan. He's really an impact player for the Timberwolves. You know, it's funny. I I'm putting together my all defense team and Jane McDaniels is in the mix already. Like See? I was, I was looking up some stats and I saw as, as I like, as we talk about every year, like grading defense is just tough because the stats get wonky and like the, the defensive rating stuff is just tough. Cause there's other guys on the floor and there you could go off forever about it. But I, I found a stat, which is just simple. It's defensive field goal percentage. It's like, the field goal percentage of the guy that you're guarding, what he's scoring. And when you look at the numbers, they're pretty close. Like you're going to have a lot of centers at the top uh, or the bottom, I guess, given up like, like the really good guys are giving up around 50% field goal percentage, you know, centers, especially because they're defending the rim. Like those guys, it, I think the number ends up translating pretty well. And JD McDaniels is like in that territory and he's more of a perimeter guy. Like he's, he's giving up a pretty low field goal percentage. And as a rookie, that is like shocking to, to be able to do this well, this quick. And he's not necessarily surrounded by a bunch of great defenders either. So he's, he's doing a lot of the load carry. And I I think he's going to be a, he's going to be an all defense guy for his entire career. Like, 
it, it's going to get tough next year. I think when, when Isaac comes back, you know, it, it's going to get tough to shove all these guys into, uh, into two teams. Cause there's a lot of defensive talent and the more rookies come in the league, it just keeps filling up. Well, and if the Blazers have a normal defense next year, Covington's also going to get a spot back too. So <laughs> I, exactly. Covington, just real quick. I hate that I can't give Covington an all defense spot because the Blazers defense has been that bad because his defense is still just so remarkable. Like I know he can't really stop anyone on ball, but man, his off ball defense is just such a huge impact for a team. I wish I could put him on my all defense team. I can't in good conscience. Um, Emmanuel quickly. Why did you put Emmanuel quickly as your last spot? So listen, the numbers aren't fantastic. Like I'm a big efficiency guy. He's shooting like 40% from the field. He's not shooting great at the rim. He's shooting 40% from three, which is nice. But listen, this is a Tibbs error, okay? We talk about Alfred Payton all the time. And I watched the Knicks play the Lakers last night. And Alfred Payton threw a lob that was just never going to go down. I got so upset. I'm like, get this fucker off the court. I don't ever want to see him play again. He sucks. Okay? Then a little bit later, he drives to the rim, misses the layup. It's like, what are we doing? And yet this guy wants to make a burner account tweeting that he needs more minutes. Just probably my least favorite player in the league at this point. I mean, just wow. Just ax him. Okay. Send him to Spain or some shit. We're done with him here. But, you know, and obviously the Derrick Rose reemergence, um, that's very understandable. Like I understand giving him minutes over quickly, but Peyton, he needs more minutes. And like, you look at the game log, like he's been inactive three games in a row. The game before that, he's got 18 points on eight shots. You know, like, the kid can score. And, and you know, I don't know if he's ever going to be a great, like, distributor. He has his games, but he's, he's like, a score-first guy. But, I mean, on that team with Randall and Barrett doing most of the handling anyway, I think he's the perfect complement to those guys. And he can, like, attack a closeout. We know the floater's good. The number isn't great on the floaters, but we know he can hit them. Um, so... I actually just saw that 31% of his shots are basically floaters. They come in the short mid range, <laughs> which I just think is funny. 31%. But I mean, I, I just think he's got a bright future and, and hopefully Tibbs next year at least starts to recognize that. So I, I have, I have my snubs listed and we'll run through those at the end of those quickly. is actually my second, my second snub. I had one guy ahead of him and you'll understand why I had the guy at, ahead of him in front of quickly, but I can't disagree with having quickly on the team. Like, I think he's been that good this year. I mean, I agree. The fact that he's not starting is absolutely atrocious. And I'm assuming once he's in his second year, Tibbs will trust him more. This is just a Tibbs thing. It's remarkable that he's honestly played 61 games at all. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, knowing Tibbs, but they need like, Honestly, they really need his scoring. They really need his spacing in the starting unit because I'm not going to go as far as I'm not going to send Alfred Payton to Spain. I'm not going that far. Right. Even though if you're sending a player somewhere, Spain isn't a bad place to send them. Um, I think he should be starting. I, I don't understand why he's not. Um, point guard defense has never really mattered. And Tibbs, you know, when Derek, he started Derek Rose, Derek Rose was never a great defender in Chicago. He started, um, CJ Watson, he started John Lucas the third, right? He's made a living off of starting bad point guards <laughs> on defense, right? And they make up for it, especially if they get Robinson back next year. I don't know what his status is. Um, I think that 
I think the Rockets, or the Rockets, I think the Knicks are in a really good position with quickly to make some noise in the future. Yeah, me too. And I'm interested to see, we just had a pre pod discussion about the draft and like they've got two picks in the twenties that this is a deep draft. And if they hit, if they can hit both of those guys, their rotation next year is going to be pretty decent. Cause I mean, I think Barrett has made good enough strides this year where like, he's not going to really sink them anymore. He will at times, but um, you know, Randall obviously has figured his, his game out and the guys around them, are really good compliments. Like I think Bullock has been awesome uh, next to those two guys as the floor spacer. And as I mentioned, Rose has been really good lately. So, you know, it's, it's a shame that they were bad in the draft for so many years where, Hey, I, I saw Nilakina did play last night. So that's, um, wow. that's something. Um, and then, you know, obviously Toppin has been whatever, but Kevin Knox, you know, there, there's just a, a lot of misses in there and that it's compounded into them not making the playoffs for what, nine years now, but you God. know, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I think they're turning the page finally shout out to Leon Rose. Um, and, and hopefully they continue to add good pieces. Yeah. I don't know if you shouted out Nerland's Noel too, but Nerland's Noel's having a career year in New yeah, York. Yeah. Filling in for Mitchell Robinson, which that injury sucked. I hated that injury. I really want Robinson to be healthy because I really love the way he plays. But Nerlens Noel, honestly, Dylan, it's crazy. But Nerlens Noel, all defense candidate at center. He's not going to make it, but like real deep cut. But like, I don't think he's been really good in New York. Like really, really good. He's not going to make it. But that defense hasn't fallen out from losing Mitchell Robinson at all. And that's all because of Nerlens Noel. So I wanted to shout him out. Um, anything else on quickly before we move on? Cause I, I really have nothing to say that you didn't add in that last little bit. No, just, just, uh, Tibbs needs to, to figure his things out and yes, send Peyton to Spain. I'm sticking with that. <laughs> you know, good for you, Dylan. I'm, I'm proud of you for sticking with your convictions. Um, <laughs> my snubs. Okay. I don't know if you prepared a snubs list, but I think that, my snubs list will be all encompassing. So you obviously snubbed Jaden McDaniels. How dare you? Um, some other guys we snubbed. Isaac Okoro. Like, he's been really good on defense for them. And, you know, he had a 35-point game a couple of weeks ago, I think, against the Suns, I think. He had, like, a 35-point game against the Suns. But his shooting really isn't there yet for me. And, I mean, the Cavs have just been god-awful, even with him playing all the games. So it has to count for something. I obviously snubbed quickly. I think that he's really good, and I w- I'm not mad at Dylan at all for having him on the list. I think that's completely reasonable. You could take Pritchard off the list and put a court. You could take Pritchard and um, McDaniel's off the list for me and replace them with quick- quickly and uh, and a Coro, and I wouldn't be mad at you, right? Like I think those got guys- those twelve guys probably are the most deserving rookies. Then let's get to the other ones. Faku Campazo, he might make the All Rookie Team. Um, he's been, you know, the- he's the last guard standing in Denver, basically. <laughs> All their guys are getting hurt before the playoffs. So that's, that's fun. He's been playing really well. Um, And then the rest of these guys aren't like real serious candidates, but I I wanted to shout him out. Teo Maladon. He's been like, he hasn't been great in Oklahoma city, but I think the fact that his rookie year could have gone a lot worse and it hasn't, I think that's saying something, you know, he was thrown in one of the worst possible situations after they sat down uh, SGA and Horford. (laughs) 
So I think he's been doing well. Chumo Kiki, if he played more games, he probably would have been on my team. I think he's been really good. Xavier Tillman, I think that he's just, he's solid. <laughs> but solid really isn't enough to make this list, unfortunately. Devin Vassell and Tyrese Maxey are my last two guys. I, they both just haven't played enough. Um, anything you want to add on any of those guys before we finish up this pod, Dylan? Nope, you got it, man. But two Grizzlies mentioned today. Are, are you shocked? No, I mean, the, the over-under was honestly five. <laughs> <laughs> so we are doing the Grizzlies tomorrow, so that'll be a better outlet for that. Um, Dylan, we wrapped up. I think this, this is our shortest pod in a while. Um, from one young soul to another. I'm going to save my threat for the big show tomorrow. For, I'm going to make sure the last one of the regular season is a grand one. But I'll just repeat the, for this one. I'll repeat the one from last week. Okay. If you don't buy from one young soul to another, I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to mail the back of your, I'm going to glue the back of your mailbox shut. I'm going to fill it with rocks. You can't, you're not going to get any mail. You're just going to have rocks in your mailbox. Um, Dylan Hughes appreciated that threat last week. Do you, is it, does it hit the same this week? It's good, man. But I still think the, the monopoly threat was, was uh, I don't think you can top that one. Oh, now I got to try to top it. So I'll, I'll actually prepare something tomorrow. Most, all these are off the dome. Okay. I, I just want you to know that. I, that's, that's respectable. All these are off the dome. So um, make sure you go, make, go buy from one young soul to another $7 and 50 cents, man, for a, for a physical copy of it. I got to get that. When I get my tax return, I'm getting from one young soul to another. I've already bought the ebook. So I, I'm not, not supporting my friend. Just I'll support him twice. Um <laughs> Let's see. Divine Rhyme. So this week, you you guys, this pod is actually going to come out before Divine Rhyme. This, uh, Divine Rhyme will probably be out this Friday. What are you guys doing uh, for this week for Divine Rhyme? So we're continuing Schoolboy Q, Oxymoron, Blank Face. Two just outstanding albums, which is really impressive for uh, it being his second and third album. Just, just awesome stuff. And me and Will have been really excited about it. So we're, uh, we're going to have a great show. And also um, we are going to be getting a divine rhyme on the uh, off season, right? Correct. Am, am I correct on in this assumption? Uh, we're going to wait until after we finish Schoolboy Q. So we're going to do crash talk next week. You know, it's, I, these albums are better digested with time. So we're going to give ourselves a week or two for the off season. And then we're going to, we're going to be able to, to get our thoughts out on that. But I, you know, I respect that thought process, you know, just give yourself time to digest it and sit with it, you know, sit with yeah. it. I can't wait. I can't wait for the off season. I'm very hyped for it. Um, power hour tomorrow, Dylan, I think tomorrow might be our longest one. And it's always long because we we're talking about your heat, my rafters and our Grizzlies. Yes. Our, our baby, the Grizzlies that we have birthed on our own. Uh, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We, we are the, uh, who's the mother and who's the father? That's what we need to figure out. <laughs> You're definitely the father. You're definitely okay. the father. I think that's, that's fair. It's, uh, it's, it's an equal share though. That's the important part. That's right. So it's, it's going to be great. The Grizzlies have, they've like kind of exploded since the last time we talked about them, I would say. I mean, they're still in the play in tournament, so they haven't been like incredibly good. But I mean, the West is tough, man. Like, top getting in that top six is really tough. So they they've been good this year, and and um, you know it's tough. Like, who who do we root for? There's like it, like I don't want to see Steph Curry lose, right? 
I mean, I guess we can just say fuck the Spurs and that would solve all the problems, but there, there's probably going to be one team that, because the Lakers are going to, are in there too. So one of those teams that we like is going to have to fall out. Yeah. Oh, it's so tough, man. Um, I Hold on. I, I pulled up the standings by date. Let me check the the Southeastern division so, or the Western conference, excuse me. So on the all-star break, because remember Memphis missed a lot of games in the first half of the season. So they backloaded their schedule is the crazy part. So they were 16 and 16 at the all-star break. And now they're 20, they're 36 and 33. So, I mean, they're, they've been pretty consistent all year. I mean, I, I love them. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? They had two rough losses earlier this week, but they trying to reintegrate Jaron Jackson after all this time. I don't blame them. You know, it's just been a weird year for everybody, but I mean, Dylan, that's good. That one's going to be a great pod. I still got to catch up on some games, but that shouldn't take me too long. Cause especially I haven't watched Grizzlies Raptors yet. So that'll knock out two birds with one stone. Um, you were on the circle city cinema this week with sacrifice. Tell us how that went. Cause I haven't listened yet. Cause I haven't watched parasite yet, even though I wanted to tell us how that went. Oh man, it was great. I, I was excited about that one. Um, I mean, obviously, when you can discuss movies with the the king of movies, it's a great time. But Parasite is just such a an awesome movie, and I was I had a we both had a good time talking about the uh, just a crazy movie, man. Just a crazy. That's the only way you can describe it, and it was it was a really fun time. I, yeah, I. I can't wait to listen to it. I'm putting it off. So I'm not, I haven't listened to it yet because I, you know, it's not like, Oh, this is whack. I don't want to listen to this. It's I am not listening to it until I watch the movie. So uh, you, you can understand that. I'm sure they also um, next week, they're going to be doing the road to F nine fast five with Bryce and JD. I believe that'll be next week. Bryce and I will be getting together for a a best picture draft from 1990 to 2020. Then at some point, Boys in the Hood, 30th anniversary with JD and his brother Jamal. Um, last week, I filled in on the battleground for JD. We talked about the NFL draft, Rodgers, and the uh, the Nuggets and the Lakers. And obviously, the Lakers are there. LeBron James is scheduled to come back on Saturday against your Pacers. Dylan, um, I mean, let's face it. The Lakers are screwed. They're, they should be, you know, they should be terrified, Dylan Hughes. Dude, I... I don't know what I am so lost on where, where the Lakers are going to end up because it's like, you have, you have to bet on LeBron being healthy. Right. But I don't know. Like we knew at some point in his career, he was going to start to fall apart. And I don't know if this is it or not. That's the thing. It could just be kind of a bad luck year. Not a lot of rest before, but man, it's tough. And like, they're they're re- still really good without him, you know. Like AD Dennis Schroeder, you know Drummond hasn't been that good, but like they have they have a good enough team where they could like probably get through the first round. But you know, when you got to face Utah or Phoenix, it's tough. So I I feel like I'm going to end up missing on that in one way or the other. I'm I'm either going to believe in them or the, and they're going to lose, or I'm going to say they're going to suck, and then it's going to be like last year all over again. So I'm kind of worried about that one. If and that's going to be the last time we talk about the Lakers on the power hour until we absolutely have to folks. Um, <laughs> Cause we have not talked about them since Lakers week. I think in February, 
But I mean, they've had such a weird year. I don't blame us for not checking in on them. Um, and then my last plug, the last pod that I have to plug, Lynn Sanity. So JD, Caleb and JD did a what we like and what we don't like earlier this week. And in the playoffs, JD's going to be joining Caleb every week for to break down some to break down the NBA playoffs. So we're going to have three NBA pods going a week, folks. Power Hour will be coming at you once a week, and then Lynn Sanity will be coming at you twice a week. That's going to be absolutely ridiculous NBA coverage you're going to be getting from us. Like, And then you'll be having a battleground every two weeks as well. Dylan Hughes will be on the battleground at some point. So, I mean, folks, you are just getting bombarded with content from us. And then uh, next week, Caleb and uh, Bryce and Zach will be discussing the play-in games. They'll be previewing the play-in games because those will be set in stone by then. Um, let's let's give a little bit of NBA news at the end. Breaking news during the pod. Dwayne Casey signed a contract extension with the Pistons. Dylan Hughes, are you surprised that Dwayne Casey did not get fired by the Pistons? No, man. This team is – they are reloading, not rebuilding, okay? This is a quick little, little step back. They're going to get hopefully a top three pick, get one of those top guys – I'm just trying to like think who I want them to get the most because I think any of those guys would be fine. Like I think Suggs could, you could play him with another point guard. So if he went to OKC, I think it'd be great. If he went to Detroit, I think it'd be great. You know, like I I think he would be fine anywhere. Mobley, we said he can probably come in as a four. He could play next to Stewart and start to figure defense out at this level. Be good. Obviously Cade probably has the highest ceiling out of everyone. So man, like give give Dwayne the keys, man, and maybe he can avenge uh, or get some revenge on Toronto for cutting bait and uh, build this team into a superpower. <laughs> I mean, let's let's be real here. I love Nick Nurse, but are, are we telling ourselves that they couldn't, they wouldn't have won that championship with that same team and Dwayne Casey? I, I mean, Nick Nurse was already there; he was the offensive coordinator, basically. I, I just struggle to believe that they wouldn't have won that championship with Dwayne Casey as the coach. Yeah, I think it was like a, when the Buccaneers fired Tony Dungy and they won the next year. With John Gruden. I, I, think it was, I think it was like that. I mean, the team was good, really good. I don't think the coach was a difference maker. I I, I would tend to agree. Um, I think we're done. I think I've plugged everything I need to plug. Oh, uh, facts and stats of J.D. Hall. Um, the episode with Dylan Hughes should be coming out any day. I think it might already be out. I'll have to double check, but um, I'll check with JD and I'll put it on the plug doc. But um, Dylan Hughes, any any last words of wisdom? Do you want to say fuck meteorologists again before we uh, sign off for the night? Um, you know what? I I've I've gotten that out of my system. Um, the the weather has been too well. I haven't paid attention to the meteorologist, so I don't know. The weather is just has been what it is. The predictions haven't spoiled anything, and that's I think that's uh, it's better that way. <laughs> I be- beautiful way to end it. Um, Dylan Hughes, once again, thank you for joining me. Thank you.